0: Thank you for joining with us for another episode of Morning Briefings here on the Pipeline Intercession for the President and on our podcast. If you have any dreams that you have about the office of the President, please send them to pip at Christian Center We're so thankful that you all have joined in with us on this prayer journey, and we look forward to standing with you not only today but in the days ahead. So with that, we'll go ahead and join today's broadcast as we talk about the news and stand on the wall for this nation and the office of the president. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Zach Arscadi coming to you live from North Carolina. And today we want to continue uh, staying up to date on what the fallout of the midterm elections are and then also looking ahead because this is a long-term marathon of bringing about a revival to this nation and, and I think the results of this last election will uh, show how much more important uh, that will be in the days ahead. And so we kind of want to uh, keep it light uh, today, go through some some high level issues. the the lower level stuff is still yet to be determined and so we're waiting to see there and just we want to pray on that issue that the true vote come out, um, anything nefarious that might be going on possibly be exposed and dealt with. And that's that's going to take some time. That's not just going to happen overnight. It's going to be years uh, before that is dealt with, unfortunately, until policy changes come into effect. Now, with that being said, we want I want to ask the question, as we started off, as you titled it, of will we tear down thrones of iniquity? We're at a point where we're seeing now, because of COVID and because of this election, where the heart of, unfortunately, the American populace is at on a host of issues. And we can be mad, we can be upset, or we can take it as an opportunity to be the ambassadors, be the representatives of God's kingdom that he has called us to do. And I want to give an example in continuing on our journey of the redemptive journey that King Josiah went on when he found out, uh, when, as he was you know cleaning out, restoring the temple, uh, the book of the law, you know, the commandments of, of the Lord, and repenting, and then reestablishing the throne of heaven here on earth in Israel at the time. And so we see yesterday of the declarations made, or Monday we see the declarations made. Then we see a commitment from not only Josiah, but from the people with their whole heart and with their whole soul to walk in that covenant relationship with the Lord. And then today we want to look at and see how the reforms under Josiah were put into place. And those reforms started with, and I want to kind of stay high level here of going around to all the high places in Israel and Judea and Samaria and removing them. How it starts here in verse 4 says, Then the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second order at the doorkeepers to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal and for Asherah. Let's remember what Asherah is. It's a wooden deity where they offered child sacrifices and for all the hosts of heavens. And he burned them outside of Jerusalem in the field of Kidron and carried their ashes to Bethel. Now he goes on to do this in different high places, um, talking about how he – I'm trying to make sure I get this right. From Geba to Beersheba, where he went in the high places where they burned incense, he, he destroyed the temples. Burned the altars, burned any any bones of the false prophets, uh, the prophets of Baal, where they offered sacrifices uh, to Moloch, to Baal, put their children through the fire, um, said that, that that will no longer continue to occur. And really getting the nation back into accord. First, remember what he started off with. When he heard the book of the law, he repented. This is a, 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 an example, just like in Daniel, when Daniel repented for the sins of the nation, and then the angel was able to come and restore. And, and And obviously this was prophesied about. But one key thing here is you could say, you know, some would say, well, uh, maybe Josiah was in a rage and he just did this, and maybe possibly so he did it out of passion, but he had a point where he, he still was able to keep his emotions in check because when you go further down of how when he came across bones of a prophet it's just mentioning the bones of a prophet he was able to really keep his emotions in check because when he was burning these altars and going around and destroying these altars he was doing it off of the command of the Lord from the prophet but when he came across the prophet of the Lord he realized okay He said in verse 18, Let him alone and let no one disturb his bones. So they left his bones undisturbed with the bones of the prophets who came from Samaria. So he's not in a fit of rage. He's he's going about disciplined within his emotions in dealing with this. It's just a a little bit of something interesting I found there. Now, he goes on later to not only he reform the high temples, he pulls them down. He reestablishes the Lord's temples, the Lord's sacrifices, the Lord's priests pulling out the priests of, uh, of Baal. But he also institutes um, the Passover, reinstitutes that. And I'll get into that tomorrow because there's an interesting key about that, um, I think, for today that, or for this time in the earth that we're really realizing where we're at. And it's going to have to be a reestablishing. And we'll we'll I want to come back to this um, and walk out through this as we deal with some of the fallout of the midterms. But our prayer point for today is that we want to declare that the false thrones and the forms of worship in our regions where we're at, wherever you are at, that they will be overturned. And I just, I find, um, the timing of all of this to be very, very, um, God inspired. And, and, and it just shows how Joe, you know, the old term Jehovah sneaky. Um, I'm showing how much uh, of church I've been in even for a young age of of myself is that the Lord is through this. When I started this journey of going through this is the Lord knew the timing of when we should have started this. Man, you know, maybe I thought I should have started earlier. Maybe later. Okay. The reality is it's lining up exactly properly. I believe with what's going on in the earth. And these are things we do need to do. And obviously with the results of this last election, um, I think quite so. Okay. Moving into the news stay domestic. Um, There's some things going on with Ukraine and Russia and Iran and Israel um, that I may touch on tomorrow. But today I want to look at how – a very interesting thing, something to note, something to just be fully aware of is as we recently had this election on Tuesday, you have Governor DeSantis who is now about to be impacted by what is being called Hurricane Nicole as it's about ready to make landfall in Florida, and he's prepared. He was able to run his campaign and run his state, and right now he has upwards of 16,000 linemen ready to go, Um, what is it, 600 guardsmen activated, seven urban research and rescue teams on standby to deploy where they're ready to help in the case of the fallout of this hurricane. And then also, there's also other states. It's looking like it's going to go through Georgia, South Carolina, uh, up to North Carolina. And it shows it's going to come right through where I live. So um, just you know, be mindful of that. But also I think it shows this. It shows how prepared and ready and how much Ron Santos can handle. I just throw that out there. Uh, chew on that for the next two years, <laughs> and uh, we'll see what happens. Now, as far as the midterms go, um, we're we've seen some updates. I think yesterday was 200 total. Where in the House the Republicans had it looks like those have been updated. It's now Republicans have 210 seats. They've picked up total of seven. Democrats have lost some. A interesting, interesting House race is the one out of Colorado with Lauren Bobart. Yesterday, it looked like she might have lost it outright. Um, Now she's within less than 100, as they're still counting the votes of less than 350,000 votes, as is being reported right now from Decision um, Desk HQ, of 313,000 votes. They're having a problem counting those. It's uh, very concerning that it's taking this long, and the longer it takes, it gets even more concerning, not only for this race, but for what's going on in Arizona and in Nevada. Now, with that being said, um, earlier this morning, late last night, there were ballot drops that um, – it was late last night – where the Democrats widened their lead um, because of Maricopa County. Whatever's going on there, who knows, <laughs> really, um, unless you're in the room and those on the outside are just sitting here questioning, twiddling our thumbs, waiting, uh, with concern about what's happening. So that's... that's still That race is still within contention because when you actually look at this, I'll pull this up, of the results here. Um, it's... It's less than a percentage point. The question is, does that go to a recount in Arizona? Um, as they're continuing to, you know, they're only decision desk is only reporting estimated of seventy-seven point four five percent of the vote tallied uh, counted. Could be right, could be wrong. Uh, the when you actually go look at, and I did this yesterday, and I did it this morning. When you actually go look at the Secretary of State's website and look at the election results, they're showing 99% of precincts who are reporting, but yet somehow they're finding these ballots, and they just happen to help Democrats um, in these elections. You also have Carrie Lake and those in the conservative media saying, whoa, all these ballots are showing. Carrie Lake's going to win. She's going to win. Blake Masters and all this stuff, but Democrats keep pulling and pulling further away, so I… They're maybe seeing something else that's being reported via the media. I don't know. Um, obviously they have to be in the room. Carrie Lake has people in the room, and she's saying she's most likely gonna win. I, I honestly don't know what to tell you other than to just we gotta continue to pray that the people's vote, what they really voted, the legal vote, actually comes forward um from what what's happening. Now, in Nevada, this is a, a race to pay attention to is actually let me pull this up. In the is it Senate race, yes. In the Senate race, um, Adam Laxalt is up by a significant amount, um about one and a half, almost two percent there uh, yeah, they always find votes. That's that's actually uh, unfortunately, sadly very true. Um He's holding a steady lead, but he doesn't have 50% of the vote. And he tweeted out this morning, and I want to pull it up here. I mean, blow this up before I pull it up. Um, He said this. He said, I want to make sure I get this right. Of the 84,000 votes left to count in Clark County, Cortez Mastos could win 63% of them, and she would still lose. That doesn't even take into account the gains we will gain from rural counties of those left to be counted. Last night went exactly as we anticipated. We added three thousand from the rurals, and more are coming. She added some Clark County mail. We expect the remaining mail universe to fall well below the percentage she needs to catch up. No status change, meaning he's in the lead. The question is, can he get to fifty percent? We'll see. So that race is there, and they again keep finding votes. There's been no like official reporting about what's going on, so you're having to pay attention to campaigns to really get a picture of what's happening from the fallout of Tuesday night. Now, tomorrow you have Veterans Day. I, have n- I find it very interesting that this is coming about, and you're seeing a lot of politicians, or political organizations, very happy to celebrate Veterans Day, and also very happy to take the day off and not do anything which the more time you give somebody who's been known to do something nefarious and have questions it breeds more questions about where these votes come from in in florida before uh, before they got caught i lived there at the time in broward county they found days days after the election that there were uh, ballots left in a left in a janitor's closet, or excuse me, a custodian's closet, that somehow 100% went Democrat. It's quite interesting. Things like that do happen. Now, um, if I remember right, uh, Jen Paskey talked about yesterday how in Nevada they're still accepting mail-in ballots up until Sunday, as long as they're dated November eighth. Quite interesting. I leave that there. I think you guys understand what's going on. Now, that's a bit of the results Um, there. Now the question is the fallout from this. So you have Kevin McCarthy announcing his bid because he believes the Republicans have won the House, possibly. It looks like that is the case. Announcing his bid for Speakership, Nancy Pelosi does not back him. Or Nancy Pelosi has not conceded. And there's a partial split with Republicans. All in all, um, at the end of the day, McCarthy, as long as Republicans get the House, McCarthy's going to be the majority leader in the House. He has too much equity involved in pretty much every single Republican in the fact of campaigns and helping them get actually get elected and get to office and get on the committees that they want to get to. That's unfortunately just how it works. Now, whether that's the question, whether he should be, is a completely different story. There was a story yesterday about how uh, Steve Scalise would run for leadership. Uh, That got squashed this morning because he came out and said, no, I support McCarthy for leadership, so we move forward. Now, Ben Shapiro had an interesting analysis. He said this. He was very short and sweet to the point yesterday, and and, and I think this has some bearing on where the cultural – sector of the Republican Party is, and more so where the grassroots movement of the party is, because that's what Daily Wire represents, more than I think they actually want to acknowledge. Now, he said this, here's the basic takeaway from election 2022 so far. Number one, Democrats will not change course on anything. They wildly outperform expectations in Florida. And you you see that when in, in Pennsylvania, and I think in Georgia as well, uh, Democrats elected two dead men, two offices. Now they're going to have to go to special election because it <laughs> found out that they're actually dead. No one's seen them for a month. And so that just shows Democrats and those who want Democratic policies will vote for the letter by the person's name and not actual people. And re- those on the right do the same. It's just the guy's dead. He was known to be dead. Hasn't been seen in a month. Same thing in Georgia. But yet they still elected him. I mean that's just mind-boggling. Um, even the fact that they they elected Fetterman. But that's a different story. Now, I think that shows also that line of what Ben says here. He says, also, number two, Biden is their 22 nominee unless he's fully incapacitated. Biden kind of confirmed that, uh, and unless they just pull him and put somebody else in, we'll see. Uh, Number three, Republicans wildly underperform and heads should roll. That's an interesting I want to get to here in a second, but he also talked about this. This is a huge pickup for Republicans when— And Trump started this is when you actually reach out to people and you show you actually have more in common with them than they realize. And you even realize uh, that he said there's a lot of hope for Republicans coalition given their performance with Hispanic and black voters, but their candidate quality was poor and their leadership was either absent or counterproductive. And, And that's the case. Now, with that being said, as far as heads should roll. The four heads to look at and examine are Rick Scott, who led the Republican campaign process and the messaging involved in all of this. Did that messaging work? Maybe, maybe not. You also have uh, Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell involved in all of that. Uh, I mean, I think Mitch McConnell had more of a say in anything than Kevin McCarthy did. I think early on Kevin McCarthy had the right message, but Mitch McConnell shut him down as far as coming forward like what Newt Gingrich did in saying, hey, we need to put our uh, the American plan forward. We need to tell the voters what we're going to vote for. Um, and then for some reason he pulled away from that, and then McCarthy put up, well, we're going to start uh, these investigations into the Biden administration and the Biden family and, and, and impeach him. That doesn't work. He's if, okay, if you find him guilty of anything, he's just going to give a presidential pardon to anybody. Like that's It's a waste of time. Rather than putting out the message and saying, hey, we want to do this. We can't do this because of X, Y, and Z. We need you to put people in who will go forward to put in policies to allow freedoms to reign so that we can get this nation back to a a nation not dealing with these high inflation, high crime, etc. But they didn't want to do that. And then the last person is Ronald McDonald, the head of the, the RNC. Now, I, I'm I'm being somewhat critical today because I think it's something worth looking at. If there is a, a true movement going forward, because we – we again, like I talked about yesterday, I think more weight needs to be put on what Rick Jorner and Mark Nuttle have found with their study, that the American people are going more towards conservative biblical moral values but that they don't support this Republican Party. Uh, Ronna McDonald came out and is just promoting the wins in Florida, which she had nothing to do with. Um, talking about how Republican policies work, no incumbent GOP governor lost, and 14 out of the 15 won by double digits. You could also... I'm being very hypocritical of this. She tweeted this uh, uh, last night. When you have a chance to pick up... Okay, it's great you held in Republican majority states. When you have a chance in swing states to pick up governorships, to pick up Senate, House races, and you don't, like you said, the red wave and all this stuff, that bears a question of where your leadership skills involved in this actually come forward. The fact that there is no ground game, even close to what the Democrats have, shows that, like Ben Beers, said, head should roll, is a, a, an absolute question that should be looked at. Now, okay, I've been very political. I want to look at uh, some moral things, now more spiritual things, and end on that, and show how we 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 need to pray and look at some issues in today's day and age. Now, if you've I talked about it a little bit yesterday, I want to build upon this. Is a couple months ago, and really, the entire message behind IHOP and um, what Mike Bickle is doing is to reach the next generation. He had a prophetic word where he believes, and and I believe it's absolutely, and I think this election shows that, is that older generations need to reach out and build relationships with the next generation. That is the foundation of where I'm going with this. Okay, so why is that important? The reason that is important is because we have election results like this. Not only do we have the governor, how, U.S. House, U.S. Senate races, and and state races, and governor's races, and et cetera. You had uh, some other issues brought up. And the first one that I want to talk about is the legalization of marijuana. And in some states, they voted highly, highly for it. Some states voted it down. You have uh, voters in Missouri and Maryland voted to legalize recreational marijuana moving forward. Um, you also have some states voting it down, and so we're seeing this come about. Um, not only uh, Arkansas rejected it, uh, North Dakota rejected it, and South Dakota appears on the verge of rejecting it. So this is this is going to be an issue moving forward. I'm just bringing this up now. You also have in California and Vermont they approved limitless abortion. Again, you have uh, dead people being elected to office. I mean, I knew dead people voted, but being elected to office, it's quite interesting. Now, there will be um, special elections to (laughs) put somebody in their place um, for this because, yeah, you can't have a dead person actually continue to run and stay in that office. Okay. Then we get to this issue of, and this needs to be examined if we're going to fully adhere to this. And this is, I'm, I'm going to focus on Trump for a second, and then I'm also going to look at Biden because I think this is an issue for both parties and both leaders. Is You're seeing Trump say this. He said, I should get all the credit if they won, and if they lose, it's not my fault. You also see Trump boasting about big victories, um, but then this article goes on to talk about the victories he lost on huge ones that were in contention and people that he backed. We looked at yesterday about how he praised John O'Day in Colorado from losing, and there's reasons to do so. You also see Trump attacking uh, Don Bolduc for losing after he endorsed him. You see that Trump goes after DeSantis, saying that I got more votes than DeSantis in the last election, which it's a midterm. It's You're going to get less of a turnout anyway, so that's kind of backwards. And then to Biden— is arrogance at its finest, saying he will not change anything that he's doing now. To Trump, it's a very bad look um, for him to come out and attack the people that he supported. You supported them. Don't support them if you're going to attack them later on. Like this is a political stance. Like just that's a bad, very bad, bad, bad look. He's his brand is a winner. Now he's showing to be a loser, and he's attacking losers. Like that's just not what you do. And and you're showing people that if you don't do exactly what you want or you don't perform up to the level that you think is worthy, then you're going to attack him and berate them and go after him. There's even reports that he possibly um, is mad at Melania for her supposedly getting him to support Mehmet Oz. I mean, that's like, you can't do that. You're the one who made the decision. Eat it, own it, stand up to it. Very bad look, and possibly attacking DeSantis could cause ripple effects um, as well within... The Republican, but like moving forward, it's a very bad look. Now, on the other side, Biden, of uh, showing his pride and arrogance that he will, he's not going to change anything. The Democrats aren't going to change anything. And a redemptive thing about all this, unfortunately, is that people are, are going to have to awaken. And obviously, with the results of this election, they really didn't awaken either way. If they are, as Rick Joyner and Mark Nuttall say, they are awakening to biblical moral values. They obviously weren't desperate enough to and concerned enough to get out and actually vote. And so that's a a state of this nation that I think needs to be acknowledged uh, very realistically and then you also have the fact that in some of these exit polls showing, we talked about the concerns of the thirty under-30 30 vote and how they voted, of a majority of them leaning Democrat, married, non-married, etc. There's the issue with non-married um, women who tend to vote 63 or 68% uh, for Democrat, etc. Um, but you have in-states where the national – the overall vote for people under 30, 63% voted for Democrats. Um, In Florida, that was not quite true. Um, In Pennsylvania, it was 54% went for Democrats. In Georgia, 54 to 45% went Democrats. In Arizona, it was upwards of 57%. In – was it the last poll? Uh, That was the last Okay, so you have in these – Swing states—they're leaning anti-biblical abortion—and that's the message. The message from that message worked for Democrats. It the opposite of showing the the older generations, hey, we need to stand up for these values, was not pushed and therefore was not a motivating factor for getting people proverbially off their couch and into the voting booth. Unfortunately, now I want to close with this. Because this is very, very poignant from Sean Floyd to say this. Maybe you saw this. Maybe you did it. Is he had a prayer and worship night during the midterms, which I think is quite interesting, um, and probably should be good. But he he tweeted this. He said, "Gen Z, the under thirty vote, and really it wasn't just Gen Z. It was the millennial vote as well. Uh, it was the eighteen to thirty, and then the thirty to forty-four, which heavily voted Democrat, and that's a a an issue." not only politically, but spiritually as well, that needs to be addressed from the church more than anything. He said this, Gen Z voted for abortion on demand, which is 100% true because that was the message. Mutilation of children's bodies, which that's a new revelation coming out with the whole um, transgender stuff. Weed, which we talked about there. And that's going to become more and more of an issue in the days ahead. Which we can get into that at a later date. But I want to focus on this. Uh, LGBTQ, student loan forgiveness, that message worked for Biden. Whether it's actually going to come to fruition or not is a completely different story because even as a time he said, oh, well, within a few weeks before the election, we're going to forgive these debts. That hasn't happened. Um... Lockdowns crushing society, COVID obviously didn't deal with anything, open borders, and then casinos and strip clubs essentials. And really this point here, he's highlighting what happened um, in California. Also, you could say abortion clinics essential over the church throughout every state in the country. Um, He said the left hijacked their minds and we need a revival. I go back to what we talked about at the beginning in 2 Kings 22 and 23 with King Josiah restoring there the, the book of the law the commandments of the Lord to the nation of repenting tearing down, replanting reestablishing what the Lord has That's that's the blueprint there and then building upon Mike Bickle's word of the older generations need to reach out to the future next generation to be able to bring about this revival. It's not just going to be, you know, in in the past it's been the young generation, but they've also had the older generation there to mentor them, to guide them, to walk them through. Those who are in leadership now were through that. Bob Jones doing what he did of coming back, being raised from the dead, was because the Lord wanted him to pass the baton on to the next generation. I'm an anomaly. Uh, I'll admit that. I'm blessed to be uh, have been around uh, that environment, I'm a product of that environment, uh, of Bob Jones passing on the baton, and now my dad and those leaders passing the baton on to my generation and those coming up, which is why we have the Olive School of Ministry. But I point to this, is it's not just going to take faith alone. It's going to take faith plus works. And I want to highlight that because um, the Eric Taxes book, The Letter of the American Church, really highlighted that about how per just in, de- in depth, that just faith alone, what Martin Luther taught, has pervade not only the American church, but the church in general. And we can sit here and say, oh, we need to elect the top people, get the right people in office. That's fine and dandy. But as Sean Foyne pointed out is the minds of the American youth, millennials and Gen Zs, has been brainwashed to an extent. And yes, there is a A benefit of being able to homeschool and pull kids out of the public school system having that ability but there also might be um there is a need and there might be a a desire for the lord i think so for people to get back involved in the public school system i.e the election boards i think people are doing that it's a slow journey and i say this it's about enduring this is a a long-term marathon i said that at the beginning can't look at this as okay. We, you maybe you, you lost or won this battle, depending on how things come out. That's not the issue. The issue is long term about souls getting saved, about us reaching the destiny of this nation, which is spread the gospel of the kingdom to the nation. And that's where we need to continue to stay. The benefit is there's two benefits is hopefully the house is gone Republican just enough, maybe not the red wave, just enough to prevent the tyrannical government overreach from happening uh, via the legislation. You still have the courts and issues there that you're going to have to fight out, no matter how this election turns out. But then also, unfortunately, and the Lord can walk people through, and what what a better time with the fact that this administration is still going to have the ability to do what it thinks it is best. Ignore God. But for us to show how... Walking in relationship with the Lord is different than walking in the quote-unquote wisdom of man. When you take wisdom and revelation from the Lord and you walk that out and you're thriving, somebody else is not, it's an opportunity to share the gospel with them. Ira talked about it. Is, You know, when when, when there's an uh, um, economic crash in the 80s with the construction business, his business was thriving and his suppliers were asking him, how are you doing this? And he just had to say, it's a testimony to the Lord. I obeyed the Lord I was obedient and the Lord provided for me. What an opportunity we have in the days ahead. Like that's the redemptive purpose out of all of this. The Lord is still king. <laughs> Jesus still sits on the throne. Nothing has changed that. It doesn't, we lose this election doesn't mean that that Christ didn't die on the cross for our sins. Because sometimes a political persecution, the, the advancement of the gospel of the kingdom has been, is, and history shows you that. Has been further progress and move forward and spread during times of political persecution than than in times of comfort and we could sit here um theologically and talk about that and discuss that but i want to end there is with all this is it's a time where with all this stuff going on living in the lay sea and edge the times of noah that have been prophesied for us to stand up and be the ambassadors that christ has called us to be be the light, the city on the hill, be representatives for the Lord in this time, to bring about zeal for others, of others for the Lord. So I'll end with that, of all this craziness that's going on, some things we need to reflect on, the pride, pride in our own life, because we can sit here and bash these politicians and leaders and whatever, But first is, are we removing the thrones of iniquity within our lives? Are we tearing down the thrones of iniquity within our lives in the authority that we had? King Josiah had authority within the land of Israel, but where do we have that authority? And where can we pull down those thrones to bring about and walk in that covenant relationship with the Lord? So blessings. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Continue to pray just for the truth to come forward. That's all people want. However it falls out. Just let the truth come forward. And we'll be back here tomorrow continuing to stand on the wall, praying for the office of the president. So blessings, and I'll see you guys later. Have a good one.